0: You're listening to another great podcast in the Stoplight Network.
1: Tech fan number 61, David and I are going to talk about the top 10, actually 11, tech stories of 2011. Stay tuned. And welcome to Tech Fan Number 61. I'm Tim Robertson, and over there on a the new Skype account is... David Cohen. <laughs> so, David, we're starting a little later, uh, only about 10 minutes than we usually do, and that's because your Skype account, you said, was hacked. It De- appears it- details, yeah. please. Well,
2: there's, this was kind of weird. I now i now i think on i i kind of remember do remember seeing an email from skype saying your account's been hacked you need to contact us but of course when you get an email like that you immediately think it's uh spam it's it's spam or yeah, it's a phishing fish. email yeah so i ignored it but i tried to log on to my account just before we start the show and i it wouldn't let me on and when i tried to change the password i thought maybe i'd i'm on a, i'm on my home computer on the one i normally use at work so it does sound I better thought, by the way uh, <laughs> really <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm on a I'm on a headset, run the microphone I normally use, but uh, it sounds better. Okay, that's good. Um, But anyway, yeah, when I tried to, uh, I figured well, maybe I've I've got the wrong password saved in my password uh, saver, so uh, I tried to change the password and I couldn't, wouldn't let me do that either. So I had to go into live chat and they said, oh, your account's been hacked. Um, asked me to confirm some payment details, which was really hard because I I don't use Skype as a paid service. So the last thing I bought on there was about four years ago. Right. Uh, but anyway, finally got the account up and running again. Um, but in the meantime, I'd let you know, and you said, "Well, just set a new account up for the show," which I've done. Um, but I've in in the meantime, I've I've had my old account re-enabled now. I'm looking in, I can see this. About a pound's worth of international calls on there that have been used. So, so it definitely has been hacked.
1: Wow. I've never heard of that before.
2: Neither have I. And um, it's kind of odd, really. Uh, they, these sort of things didn't happen before Microsoft came along. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, Not no. that they've
2: not that they've uh i'm sure they've not actually directly become involved with how uh how skype's running at the moment but it is odd and um slightly worrying i'm now starting to think "Hmm, what was the password on there and do i use it on any other accounts and do i need to go through and make sure all my passwords are randomized which is something that everyone knows they should do but yes. let's face it when you're setting up an account and you just want to get something done you don't think oh let's let's Generate some gnarly password and then write it down somewhere. You're normally you normally put in something you know you're going to remember, and it tends to be the same thing in lots of places.
1: Well, maybe we should start something new. Um, this episode's coming out right around the beginning of the new year, so we'll make it for next New Year's. Next New Year's, the holiday is on January 1st. You have to spend a half hour to an hour changing all your passwords. Yeah, make that like a, a worldwide holiday change your password day.
2: And if you use a tool like 1Password or Last Pass, make it a lot what, easier. ...why use, then Then that makes it easier because that will generate random passwords for every account and save them for you so that you um, you can access them from different computers or your iPhone or that sort of thing without necessarily having the inconvenience of having to... Because let's face it, if you change them all with random numbers, you're going to end up just writing them down on a piece of paper, which... It's gonna it's not gonna stop you from getting is it's gonna stop you from getting hacked by some guy in Nigeria, but it's not really very secure either.
1: No. <laughs> and and actually they said those companies that require people their employees to change passwords like every sixty days is less secure because yeah. what happens is people have to change their passwords so often and they can't use the same passwords within a twelve month period that they tend to write them down and keep them under their keyboard or on their monitor or somewhere handy because they just simply can't remember all these different passwords so often. So
2: yeah, That uh, a few years ago, I did a a talk for a, a client of mine on security. He invited me in to do a kind of a freebie. They they would have like a knowledge sharing session every every Thursday morning. So they invited me down to his office to talk to them about. IT security and I arrived a bit early and he sat me at his desk while he went to get me a coffee and I, I found a piece of paper under his keyboard with all his passwords and also all his bank details on. Nice. <laughs> so I actually um, I took a photo of it and then quickly stuck it in my presentation
1: <laughs> as
2: an object lesson in, in things you shouldn't do when you're trying to be I'm, secure. <laughs> I'm sure
1: that guy was very appreciative of your efforts.
2: I, he, he saw the funny side of it.
1: Fortunately. Yeah. Yeah. Fortunately is. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I used to tell people that had to do that often when I was doing a lot of consulting, I said, the easiest way to do it. So, you know, you don't have to write it down is use the month. So if it's may, for instance, uh, Mm -hmm. use the month in your password, use the last four digits of your social security number, and then use your mother's middle name. So start with your mother's middle name. So we'd say like Cohen, uh, December and then well you don't have a social security number, but in the United States we do. Yeah. We're all we're all coded here in the United States. It's only a matter of time before they start stamping it on us and um and that was a it, it actually they were really strong passwords because you got numeric and um you know names or, or letters, and then you always capitalize the first letter, so it's it's real yeah. easy to remember that way. And and the the key th- the key is also to make them different. So one thing
2: you can do is have some sort of system like that, but maybe try and get something that varies each time, like the domain name or the last three letters of the domain name, or something like that, so that um, you you get a variation, but it's still easy to remember. If you can get something you you can remember that's not in a dictionary and has some length on it, then you're normally going to be pretty good.
1: Yep. So your account was hacked. That's that's yeah. crazy.
2: So I'm I'm down a pound, which is not the uh, end of the world, but I'll still have to uh, this will be a good exercise in how good Skype are. Got to say I I used live chat to get the account back up and uh, running again and that was fairly painless. Um and uh, but but now obviously what I will do is to say, well, you you told me my account was hacked, so how about give me that money back. <laughs>
1: That's an idea. At least credit your account that much money. That's right. Yeah. I would imagine so, that they probably will.
2: I'm, I would imagine so, but yeah. uh, let's see how many how many hoops I have to jump through for that.
1: Uh, coming in after the uh, first break, we're going to start in our big conversation. We're going to split this up into two. Uh, we'll go the first five and then the second five. Top ten tech stories uh, that I put together for 2011. And the funny thing is, I put my list together, and then I thought I would do a search online, and I've got exactly the same list. Slightly different order, but exactly the same list as PC Magazine did. (laughs) So I was like, ooh, wow, I guess either they're really good or I'm really good, or we're both just really lazy. Um, But there's one thing I didn't put on here that I was thinking about, David. So I'll start out with uh, number 11 here on the first segment, and that is Microsoft becoming irrelevant in 2011. That may have been one of the biggest stories that I think everyone's missing. Microsoft used to be just a dominating force in the computer industry and in technology. And, you know, just recently they said that this is going to be their last CES keynote in the last year that they're going to have a big booth. Yep. Um th- you know, they they're using the same thing that Apple used, that their product cycle isn't based around an event like that. And it doesn't make sense for them to keep doing it. Now, of course, the people who run CES said, hey, hey, wait a minute. We actually told them that we didn't want them to keynote anymore. Um, you know, this it's not like it's their decision. We, we already told them we want this to happen. And Microsoft is trying to spin it like they came up with this idea. Regardless, I think it really goes to the point that Microsoft, and maybe irrelevant is the wrong term, just less important than they used to be. What do you think? Uh,
2: well, I mean, they are in... I, I think they used to be a big consumer company. Yeah. Uh, Windows, Windows 95 was kind of what really kicked that off, and it really got them a big amount of consumer mindshare. Um, I don't think they are like that anymore. Their, their biggest consumer product now is the Xbox, uh, and even that is a brand on itself. It's not really a brand that... you know. I, don't, I think a lot of people don't necessarily associate microsoft with xbox it's just xbox right and and even even as a brand i mean you know console brands can be they can be fairly ephemeral they have their peaks and their troughs and you know anybody who remembers sega can can know that you can be dominant in an industry one minute and then dead the next so uh, i don't think that in itself is is great for them from a consumer play um their other big thing is windows phone which isn't really gaining Much traction at the moment It's kind of a slow burn
1: But you know Uh, it seems like a good product I just think it came out too late And it's not Great enough I mean if if you're going to come out with Something like Windows Phone 7 Which A, terrible name They should never have called it that Yep. Um, They should have just called it the Metro phone If you're going to come out
2: If they have got Windows in it Then at least say Windows Metro uh, I, you the, know, but the even thing that, is, even Windows be better than Windows Phone Seven because Windows Phone Seven is just like, well, well, you know, what people can think. Well, Windows Phone's been around for ages, and nobody buys it.
1: Well, Windows itself comes across as kind of fuddy duddy and old at this point. I think. Yeah. I mean, it, it's not. I I don't think anybody associates Windows as cutting edge anymore. I at least I I don't. Do you?
2: Well, no, and and I think maybe we have a. We're, we're Apple fans so maybe we have a slightly different perspective on it but I, I th- even I think among the geeks and the nerds I think if you if you wanted to say what's the cutting edge what's the kind of real geek OS they would probably say Linux over Windows I mean Windows is the one that everybody uses
1: so well, Linux would be number 30 on my list about becoming irrelevant nobody uses well, linux anymore that matters yeah, anymore. well
2: well nobody nobody matters but you know it, it what i'm saying is if you are if you if you know you get an uber nerd and say what's the you know what what do you want to run the, to to kind of be the hacking operating system they probably say linux mm. they would they wouldn't say windows uh, i agree windows, with you yeah windows is the operating system that's like the default choice um, you know, uh, I, I think that the, the, the difference is that where Microsoft is relevant, don't get me wrong, Microsoft makes huge amounts of money. Yep. But they make it in, like like IBM, they make it in places which aren't really all that sexy. They make it them in business and enterprise and you know, in my work as a as a IT consultant, you know, Microsoft is on the lips of many many people, and they are definitely relevant. And um, the choices they make regarding office software, regarding server software, regarding cloud services, uh, and the way that works are very much on people's minds. But that's not a consumer play, and so that is not. They're making lots of money there, but that's not where the the mind share is. If you like, the mind share is is elsewhere. Now, the problem they have is that. Um, if con- kind of consumer is driving what people think about IT, um, and if if IT starts to change with tablets and the iPad and that sort of thing, there's there's a risk that, that their sort of area where they're really big will kind of shrink and morph into
1: something else, and they'll miss that boat. I agree. I agree. Uh, no. We're going to get to that list here in just a second. But I came up with an idea. Well, I you know, I don't know how realistic it is. But here in the United States, we've got uh, a couple of stores that are in major trouble, Sears and Kmart. Yeah. And Kmart actually bought Sears a few years ago. And they're now they're talking about closing like 120 stores. I mean, it's pretty significant. And both yeah. of those used to be kind of top tier. Well, Kmart was never a top tier brand, but it was shopped a lot because you can get stuff cheaply at Kmart. Well, Walmart just ate their lunch there. So yeah. Sears, Sears was always kind of a mid-level, you know, in the mall or standalone and, you know, just a really good brand. And not necessarily the poor people would shop there and and, and the rich people wouldn't, but working-class families would go to Sears. Yeah. Well, Target kind of ate their lunch there. And so, yep. you know, they banded together thinking that there's probably going to be strength in numbers they didn't really change their business practices at all, and now they're in major trouble. So that got me thinking, if Sears and Kmart's eventually go away, or somebody bought them, who would be a good fit to buy Kmart and in in, uh, Sears, and change the name of these, change the way the stores are, and capture people's imagination, make people want to go to these stores? And I think I came up with a really good answer. Uh-huh. Amazon. Yeah. Could you imagine Amazon having stores? Well, look, they I, do. they're Amazon success is because they sell online better than anybody else.
2: Yeah, I, I think the, the risk. Let, I mean, look, you know, let's do strengths, weaknesses, yep. opportunities, and threats type analysis of that. So the strengths is obviously Amazon has huge brand presence. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows who they are. They're a trusted brand. Um, they have a huge. Um, line of products. So they have a product line to sell. They have a a kind of a, you know, a, they could easily build a physical storefront that matches their online storefront.
1: And they don't just sell other people's products anymore either. They have their yeah, own branded products.
2: That's right. They have Amazon Basics and they have the Kindle line and obviously they're a big bookseller and that sort of thing. Um, you know, they they sell all sorts of stuff. You can buy pretty much anything from Amazon now. So, you know, they definitely have they're definitely a retail giant and um that might be an opportunity for them you know to to move into the we in the in britain we would call it the high street but into the mall and and obviously the fact is if you were to go with kmart and sears you get you get the opportunity of of space in a boat in a mall but also all those strip malls those open out of town type stores where you know so you kind of you're hitting both sides of the u.s retail sector by by doing that um the threat would be obviously companies like target and uh you know who are very good at kind of doing what amazon would want to do with that yep you know Tar- target has a also has a very strong brand and and quite a lot of customer loyalty from from what i'm i've yep.
1: heard absolutely
2: you know uh and then of course at the cheaper end there's walmart who are also absolutely huge yep. um and and Maybe have a slightly different demog- demographic, but nevertheless, you're still a huge presence and buying power. Um, the weakness I'd see for Amazon is that is that this isn't what they do. They they're very streamlined at delivering from centralized warehouses. Yeah, but uh, Apple give-
1: used to be the same way. I mean, to me, I would look at the success of the Apple stores as kind of a blueprint for tar- er, for uh, Amazon in the retail space. Not in the way they look and not in the very small selection they have in the stores, but the excitement that those stores bring, the crowds that they bring in. Why do they bring in those crowds like that? I think Amazon could have something kind of special. And look, everything you buy in an Apple store, you can get in many other stores. Yeah. You know, Best Buy carries the entire line of Apple products, but yet you don't see the crowds in Best Buy that you do in an Apple store. So. Hmm. I, if if Target really positioned these stores correctly, or Target, uh, if Amazon positioned these stores correctly, I think they would be huge. I think they would be very popular. And, and it would make had, their brand even more popular.
2: And if you had one in every city and... When you order something online from the store, from the from the um, from Amazon, you could then pick it up in your local store.
1: Absolutely, those
2: times when you absolutely can't wait till two day shipping, but you have to have it there and then. Uh, I mean, that's the thing; it's, they're going to have to they they'd have to find a way to achieve the right economies of scale so that the pricing you got in or you got online was the same as the store. Yep. yep yeah and that might be hard to do because i think there's i think the reason they they can trade on you know such variable margins is because they can respond very quickly online to changes in the market to different promotions their competitors have all of those things are more difficult when you're trying to reach into a store um but if they could crack that then and and kind of combine it somehow with their online presence then yes maybe but it it would be a risky play jeff bezos uh, he likes to take risks though so who, who knows? Yeah,
1: could be interesting.
2: I'm sure they've, I'm sure they, every time a big uh, retailer comes up like this, they think about it. Oh, they like, have to. But that,
1: something to think about. So if they yeah. actually end up doing it, you heard it here on TechFan First, right?
2: But, you know, what I would say is that, you know, the, in a down economy and a recession, retail's really tough.
1: Yes, best, but now but, is the best, time to get into yeah. long term leases. In a mall or at a strip yeah, but, mall, or because you're going to get a lot better rates, Best Buy just
2: tried that here, but they've just gone uh, they've just gone under in the u k they've just pulled out um they opened up here about fourteen fifteen months ago, and they've not been able to make it work yeah, it's because so, you know, you guys it's, don't it, like
1: them <laughs> you guys are just meanies over there look, look there's uh, a, a Yank store just opened down the street. Let's boycott it. <laughs> I know how you guys are, you're not fooling of me. Let's take our first break. We'll be back, and we're going to go through our – start our top ten list. And uh, before we do that, I've got some news of my own, so we'll be right back. Hello, and good evening. This is Gaz for the MyMac
0: Podcast. And we know you have your pick of high-quality, downloadable audio content, and we appreciate that you choose ours. Quite right, old Bean. This is Guy, and we're here to say that the MyMac podcast is the right choice to make. Intelligent, cultured, and downloaded by only the finest and most educated people. Indeed. In fact, we restrict our delightful missives to only those best-suited... Guy, I can't go on with this. Who are we kidding? The MyMac Podcast is probably one of the most accessible shows about OS X and iOS there is. Gaz, we're trying to up our reputation here. Oh, shut it. Listen, folks, tired of tech podcasts that talk over your head and go on too long, taking themselves so seriously, you'd think they were the ones making the product? Then you should listen to the MyMac.com Podcast at least three good chuckles per segment if my math is right that's about 10 laughs per show right because three times three is 10 sometimes i really wonder about you guy no need to wonder where to find the podcast just go to itunes and search for my mac subscribe and jump into the fun you know we're part of the stoplight network and there are a lot of important people there well we did say we hardly know anyone important Though there was that time I was less than 30 feet away from the waz and I could have sworn he made eye contact. Most likely, he was having stomach cramps. Yeah, that would explain why he was doubled over at the time. Check out the Stoplight Network and the MyMac.com podcast. Enjoy it
1: over a copper. Back from the break, Tim Robertson, David Cohen. Hey, David, I got a yep. new toy. I know.
2: You're
0: a sucker!
1: I am. I am. I so got, tell,
2: me, tell me how you acquired this first, before you tell everyone what it is. Did, was this a gift, or did you buy it yourself?
1: Um, I'm not going to say. All right. But but I, I have one now. Okay. And it's a Kindle Fire. And, you know, you and I have gotten in some debates. In fact, I was on Pocket Size Podcast, an episode that hasn't come out yet but i was on there just recently and i was talking about the kindle fire and this was before i got one and i discussed our disagreement on how amazon is positioning this that it's not you say it's not really an ipad competitor and i say absolutely no. it is yeah uh regardless of you know our stances on there i still wanted one but right. i was a little put off by some of the negative reviews now i also read uh, David Pogue at the New York Times, he had an article just recently about the update to the Kindle that corrected about ninety percent of the problems. So mm-hmm. that made me feel a little bit better that Amazon's taking this very seriously, and you know they're going to respond accordingly when something is going on with their product. So yeah. I picked one up. It's one ninety nine U S. Um, honestly, it's the cheapest tablet you can buy that has this type of functionality. That's not some strange Korean brand you've never heard of, which makes you a little nervous.
2: Yeah, the I I mean I've I've been every time I go into a electronics store, I kind of browse past the tablets, and it's been interesting, really. This Christmas season, there's been some really steep price cuts. I mean, you can pick up a um, in the UK now, you pick up a. Um, Blackberry Playbook for around about the same as what you pay for a Kindle Fire in the states. Yep. Um, so you know th- those types of things are out there, but none of them have the like the store ecosystem that Amazon has, which is uh, and that's we- what
1: makes the difference. Yeah. Yeah. So I got my Kindle Fire. Um, I got back to my hotel room in Chicago, and I was going to immediately open it up and start playing with it. I thought, you know what, I'm just going to plug it in for a few minutes while I'm eating my my dinner here. Yeah. I'm going to watch part of this movie. It was Rise of the Planet of the Apes. I'm going to watch part of this movie. Uh, then when I'm done eating, wash up, pause the movie, and then I'll probably play with the Kindle Fire. And I figured I won't come back to the movie until the next day. Yeah. Well, the movie was Rise of the Planet of the Apes. I haven't enjoyed any of the movies in the old ones in the 70s. And I didn't really enjoy the recent one with Mark Wahlberg at all. I thought it was terrible. Yeah. So I, wasn't, I didn't have high expectations for this movie, and this movie is awesome, dude. Is it? Oh, it's I've got really it. good. I, we, I, we, yeah, we keep on
2: skipping it because you know, both my, my wife and I saw the trailer and thought, well, it doesn't really appeal to us. Right. But, uh, I was
1: the same way, but I had yeah. it. I had nothing else to watch, so I thought, ah, I'll give it a try. Yeah. Dude, I, I got done eating, and I never paused the movie. Right. The Kindle Fire sat there charging for two hours <laughs> because this movie was so good. I'm serious. Watch this movie over the weekend. You're going to like it a lot. They shouldn't okay. even have called it Planet of the Apes. To be honest, yeah, they should. They should have just started over their own thing. Everything you knew before, forget it. This is the new thing. It's yeah. really, really good. I was just blown away. Anyways. I got done watching Planet of the Apes. I fired up the Kindle Fire. It had a nice full charge at that point. Now, I don't know if it came with a full charge or me plugging it in kind of topped it off. You know, I think it was the later, but I don't know. And my first impressions are it's definitely... It doesn't feel like a standard Android device, and it's definitely not an iPad or an iPhone. Mm -hmm. I like the size. I think 7-inch is a really good form factor, especially if the primary goal is to read on it. It really is a a nice sized device. And I thought, yeah, I don't know about games on here because I'm used to the 10-inch iPad. And for the most part, the iPhone is simply too small for any kind of good games. Yeah. I gotta say, the 7-inch is a really good sweet spot between the two. It's Mm -hmm. easy to play games on. It's not too small. It's not too big you can read on it uh very easily you can hold it in one hand while you're laying in bed and that's important to me yeah and so the first thing you do is you sign into your amazon account now i'm an amazon prime member so i there's you know i could get on my computer and watch videos there but i never do well i have but it's just kind of clunky and i don't like watching videos in my web browser for a couple hours yeah so i signed in um it showed all my books that I've purchased on the Kindle, for the Kindle for my iPad and iPhone that I've used. Yeah. It showed all of those books immediately. You just click it, it downloads it fast, and it's on, on the device. It's only 8 gigs, but I don't know if that's going to be a hindrance yet or not. It's, it's too early. I've only had it a few days. Yeah, but just being able to sign into my Amazon account and having the content that I've purchased there available there was really nice.
2: Well, that I that that kind of I suppose helps compensate for the fact that the the thing doesn't have a lot of storage is the fact you can access that stuff online straight away, you know, it's kind of like getting, you know, a cloud-like service straight thrown in the box, isn't yeah. it? Yeah.
1: Okay. Uh it doesn't have any front-facing buttons at all. It's got one button on the top or bottom, depending on how you hold it. That's the other thing. There's really no top or bottom defined on this at all. Um, I like it so far, David. In fact, I like it a lot.
2: Well, uh, a lot lot of the early reviews said that the user experience was very clunky. How have you found that?
1: It was clunkier until I applied the update, and then it it smoothed a lot of those little clunkinesses out. The one thing that I find is if I'm trying to adjust... Well, going back to the Prime, I've never watched Arrested Development. I knew I was going to like it, but I just never got around to watching it. Uh, yeah. I, I clicked the video tab on the Kindle Fire, and then there's all the videos that I can watch for free streaming on as a Kindle Prime member, and one of them was the complete series of Arrested Development. Now, I'm in a hotel and kind of crappy Wi-Fi, but I thought, I'm going to give this a try see what the quality is like. So I fired up the very first episode of Arrested Development and it looked great. You would never yeah. know it was streaming. It was much it was much better streaming that content than Netflix was and streaming theirs, because I put Netflix on here as well. Um the picture quality was great. I didn't see any pixelations or and it only paused on me one time when I was watching the third episode. Right. So just, it was just really smooth. I, you know what? It's definitely not an iPad. It complements my iPad use. Um, but I still maintain that anybody thinking about buying a tablet will look at these two devices, and they will compete against each other. I mean, if you do a search for I, or, uh, iPad on Amazon, the first thing that pops up is, Amazon, or is Kindle against... The iPad, The Kindle of Fire versus the iPad. Why you should buy a Kindle of Fire. It's the very first thing. So yeah. so Amazon is positioning exactly where I said they are, right against the iPad.
2: But I mean, by, their the own same, marketing by the same that. token, yeah, marketing like that is fine. But by the same token, you said it makes a good companion to your iPad. For me, so,
1: I don't think yeah. an average consumer is going to have both. I really don't. I think they're going to pick one or the other. If price is an issue, they're going to go with the Kindle of Fire. Yeah, But, you know, I'm also the guy that has the HP touchpad still, so I'm living in a tablet world here. Um, But, yeah, so far, so good.
2: So, I mean, I guess I need to, because I've kind of written off getting one, but now I'm going to have to reconsider that. You are. um, I have a a window, you see. My my parents are in the States at the moment, and my, my father will be coming back for a few weeks at the end of January. So if I want one, I can get one then. Um and, and interestingly enough they are available. I mean it's not that they're sold
1: out or uh, they're sold out in retail all over the place. Yeah. Yeah, it was the one of the major Best Buy stores, the big ones in Chicago that was the only place that had them in stock. Right. And they had quite a few of them too. They actually mm-hmm. had an open box that I saw that was 179. But who wants an open box? So, I've got the Kindle Fire. Um I like it so far. It's only been two days, so give me another week. Ask me next week on TechFan how I'm liking it. I think I'll be able to give you a a better. I'm reading a really good book that I'm enjoying a lot right now, so maybe that has something to do with my enjoyment of it. But so far, so good. Cool. So let's take uh, another quick break, and then we're going to come back and start our top 10 list. We'll be right back. Hi, Mike. Nice to see you. Nice to see you, John. I always wanted to ask you, do you ever listen to any podcasts? Oh, I'm a busy, busy guy. I don't have time to listen to podcasts, but what? I do listen to one. What is it? The App Minute Podcast. All right, David Cohen. Top, tw- uh, top 10 tech stories of 2011. Obviously, a lot happened. This was a very, very big year in uh, the tech space. I got to say, David, it's probably year of the tablet, to be honest.
2: Definitely. I, I was when the... Uh... You know, the iPad really kind of, you know, it went beyond that that space where people who like Apple or people who are into technology knew about it to the thing where everybody knows it. And uh, everyone knows what it is, and you see them all over the place now in places you wouldn't necessarily expect.
1: Yep. Um, my first story I've got on here is Netflix. So we'll, we'll call this a number 10. Big stories from Netflix this year was their streaming service is really starting to catch on fire. You're you're finding their their software on the Xbox, the PS3, you're seeing it on the Wii, you're seeing it on the Kindle Fire, the iPad, the iPhone. About the only thing I cannot find Netflix for is my HP touchpad and that's discontinued so who yeah. cares. You also you also can't find it outside the US. True. Uh but that's going to change very very quickly. Yeah. So, I think, you know, they made a decision Halfway through the year that they're going to split the company into two the streaming service, which would still be called Netflix, and I forget what the hell they're, they're going to call it something do you remember it was it was a lame a lame ah, I remember quickster quickster that's right yeah and Quickster was going to be the DVD through the mail service
2: but remember that was after they'd also they'd also announced that they were um abolishing the Free streaming, if you got the two the simple DVD service as well, right. so the price had effectively gone up. Yep, a lot of people have been very unhappy about that. Which at the time I thought, Oh, come on, guys, you know, that you're not <laughs> talking about a few bucks yep. for a service you obviously really love. Um, and then now at least you can buy one without the other if you don't, because a lot of people were we're getting the DVD rentals and use them as coasters. Let's be honest.
1: Yep. Absolutely. So they put
2: the price up, but then within a few weeks of doing that, they then launched this move that was,
1: um, ill-conceived
2: strategically poor perhaps.
1: Yeah, yep. <laughs> so I count that, that. I count, strategically
2: poor, I think is going to be a running theme through some of these. Yes.
1: <laughs> so number 10, definitely Netflix. Uh, number nine for me is Google plus. um, they put a lot of effort into Google Plus. It seemed to taper off for a while, but now at least here in the United States, there's actually television commercials about Google Plus. They're really starting to push the service again. They're yeah. claiming that over forty million users are using it now. I don't know. I I, it, I have I, it, but yeah.
2: My reading of this is that if they're having to advertise it on TV, it's already failed. <laughs> I'm mm. I'm afraid because you know what? Facebook and Twitter have never had to advertise on TV. I know they kind of, some of them do nowadays and, and all of that sort of thing, but when they were ramping up, they didn't need to advertise on TV. And I think if Google's having to throw real marketing money behind this, um, it's probably already not, um, not doing so well. And the, and the problem with, for me, the problem with Google Plus is not how many users they have registered, it's how many people are using it. Yep. You could register everybody on the planet. But if nobody ever logs onto the bloody thing, it's no no good to me. And that's the difficulty I have with Google Plus: is I go onto it, and it's the same four or five people in my kind of circles to it who are using it, and nobody else is, and that never changes. It's
1: it's still very much a geek platform. It's yeah. the hardcore geeks like me, or not even me really, because I I'm not using it, but like Robert Scoble. Um, yeah. he's been doing a few things on Google plus with Sam Levin, for instance, just recently where they're doing this kind of conversation where people come in and talk to him, and it's kind of interesting, but yeah, I don't see Google Plus is as... <sighs> We'll see. Time will tell if Google yeah. plus is going to take off. It's going to happen 2012. If it doesn't by the, by this time in 2012, it. yeah, yeah, it'll be dead.
2: And, and let's face it. Google has, uh, uh they've, They've abolished a whole pile of things this year. They have a strong history of knifing things that need knifing. So, um, you know, I don't think they'll continue to throw money at this. But it is strategically important
1: for them to have something like this. Absolutely.
2: Otherwise, they'll just have to go out and buy Twitter.
1: No, yeah. <laughs> Number eight, um, Rim, Because, um, you know, at the beginning of the year, we were all waiting for their playbook to come out because they had said some pretty strong things about it. And to be honest, I was kind of looking forward to the playbook. If I thought if, if HP had a good chance uh, of competing in the tablet market, I thought Rim would have just as good as of a, of an opportunity. Um, but even back then I was saying, you know, it's going to be, I think it's going to be a, a three pointy race, HP, Amazon, and, in uh Apple. Well, HP obviously wasn't it. And Netflix or I'm sorry, in Rim has done everything wrong up to this point. Twenty eleven has got to be the worst year ever for RIM.
2: I, I would I would definitely say uh even more so than HP. Yeah. I mean HP made some pretty poor decisions during twenty eleven, but RIM really knocked it out of the park in terms of um strategically poor uh, <laughs> just terrible. <laughs> just terrible. I, I, I mean, I looking back now with hindsight, I think we should have seen this coming with a playbook because there was some very, very mixed messaging about when it was coming out, about what applications it would support, how you would develop for it. It looked very, very erratic in terms of them not really being sure how to do it. They, they um, were
1: almost a joke before it came out. When, when yeah. word got out that it wasn't even going to do natively email and calendars without tethering to a BlackBerry phone. I mean, I don't know how much short-sighted you can get than that.
2: Well, I think... Look, guys, let me refer back to, to something I said at the beginning of the show when we were talking about Microsoft and I mentioned Sega. Who would have thought two years ago that uh, Rim would have Rim would have seemed like uh, the mobile company who who might be on life support? But that's pretty much where they've manoeuvred themselves to, and it's completely self-inflicted. Oh, all of it. You know, I, I mean, it, it just and not only that, it just gets worse and worse and worse for them. They had a huge outage. Yep. Um, just you know, recently. Which, just recently, which you know, the, the service was down for fact, days, and it,
1: that was like the second or third one of 2011 that they had a big yeah, outage. Yeah, that's
2: right. Their their devices are def, desperately behind the curve now. They've not been able to compete um, in terms of how the devices look and function. And the latest, next greatest hope, which uh, the next version for, is now uh, now isn't going to ship till at least the, the autumn of 2012. They've announced, which again is is a you know they won't be around really poor. It's well, you know, it, it's like they've got Laurel, they've got two CEOs, Laurel and Hardy, running the company. Yep. You know, they keep making these poor decisions. The problem with the, the nobody seems to get with the tablets is that, uh, and and I think everyone, pretty much everybody's is competing with the iPad even amazon to a point um i think if you're gonna if if amazon if apple has a product that's that's really going such gangbusters that has such huge influence on the market it's effectively redefined a market sector you can't compete with that by either by either just being cheaper or just being similar you have to be or just being as good you have to be all of those things you have to be cheaper and better if you really want to you know uh, yep. kill the kill the ipad and nobody's getting anywhere near it at the moment especially Black- rem yeah the blackberry playbook is a prime example of getting everything wrong it was the same price it was less functional um it was clunky it had no app support um and and it didn't have even the cool features that blackberry are known for <laughs> built into the product absolutely insane yep. and um as I say, the thing's pretty much in bargain basement bins at the moment. Um, so if you want to try one, then uh, then go right ahead. But I would, uh, uh, given given that the fire is now on the market, I would really not understand why anybody would even buy one at a discount at this point.
1: Next one, uh, Apple and all the patent wars going on. I think this is something that's going to take a, a few more years to kind of resolve, but it seems like everyone's either suing Apple or Apple suing everyone else over patents and i don't even know if i really want to get into it too much i mean it's a big story but it's so boring to me it's just like ugh. the problem really with patent wars is not the patent wars themselves every every
2: company is doing what it has to do to protect its what it sees as its legitimate interest the 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 problem is the patents being being Given in the first place. Yeah. The, the it's the it's the patent office that needs to take responsibility for what's going on because they will you know, they will just rock up and give anybody a patent for anything, ignoring all prior if it if it's got technology on it for some reason. Uh and that just sets everyone up to sue everyone else.
1: Uh last of the top of uh, the bottom five here, and I think this is a pretty big one. Probably not so much where you're living, but here in the United States it was a pretty big one that AT and T tried to buy uh, T-Mobile, and basically the FCC came back and said no. I mean, it, it was kind of a really big story here. It still is. AT and T finally backed out. It was going to cost them like forty billion dollars or something.
2: Uh, I think no, they had to, yeah. Well, they that was ten, what they were 10 billion to, is what it's going to cost. Yeah, uh, they had some. I mean, there was there was basically it was a sweetheart deal in there that they played um, T-Mobile. owner 3 billion if the deal didn't come off and and that's now going to be triggered I I think there's again there's a wider issue here which is that um, actually in every country I think regulators need to be looking at the mobile market and actually doing them for anti-competitive practice
1: you know i'm an at&t customer but i'm glad they're not buying t-mobile i I, I think it would have been bad for consumers long term
2: i I think they definitely need to avoid consolidation but further than that they need to actually look how these people are collaborating in the market uh, and are really you know screwing customers over left right and center and something needs to be done about it because i i just don't think any of them give good service Mm -mm. uh and um you know there are they they're the, the way you get a deal is is you know it, it's like navigating through a labyrinth trying to figure out which contract you should be on and you know God forbid if you use the phone slightly differently from what your contract says you'll get hit with extra charges there's been a thing uh, just recently where Verizon basically said if you go in and pay your bill or do it online they'll charge you extra for that convenience Yep. <laughs> for the convenience of paying them money and and basically all of these companies basically are, are, are treating this market like well what are you going to do because we're all as bad as each other so you might as well stick with us and to me it's, it's anti-competitive and collaborative and um you know it's like a cartel and it needs sorting out and it's the same in the uk you know they're no better over here <laughs> to be
1: honest yeah. <laughs> yeah i agree with everything you just said david yeah so let's take our uh, last break and we're going to come back with our top five list of tech stories for 2011
0: Technology is everywhere and the internet could seem like a large, scary place. We'll let TeacherCast bring it into focus for you. TeacherCast.net features the best in app reviews, screencasts, how-tos, and so much more. TeacherCast.net is also available in the app store. Be sure to check out TeacherCast because students aren't the only ones with a lot to learn.
1: Okay, David, uh our our, our last we're laughing because David got potentially bad news but he doesn't know yet everything's got an upside there you go Uh, so uh, we're on our top five list now of tech stories for 2011 David for me number five Sony gets majorly majorly hacked and they were down for what six weeks seven weeks I mean they were out for a long time and, uh, you know, reports of stolen credit card numbers, account information hacked. It was a bad year for Sony when it came to the PlayStation Network. Uh,
2: and I think, you know, I think it's, I think it's really uh, affected them very badly. If you look at the, how their new uh, handheld device, the Vita, is selling in Japan, it's not selling well. You know, it had a strong start, but it's kind of tapered off. Um, and I think all of this stuff is, and despite <laughs> despite these problems which are all about their governance of your information and um, your trust in them, having your account details and everything. Sony continues what it's done for many, many years, which is to lock everything up with DRM, to insist that you give them credit card details just to use their products, to uh, block you from doing this, that and the other, using network technology. And you'd have thought they'd, they'd have maybe a bit of hubris and a, ba- a bit of... Um, realization that 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 attitude doesn't really work in a situation where you've lost control of all your customers' data and yet they're continuing it on yep. and i think i think they are um i but, think i think they're in you know again there're there's somebody who's going to continue to be in trouble until they they figure out a way of turning it around and they don't seem to have figured it out yet
1: i totally agree uh
2: um, yeah ahead. I, I, I'm not. Inter- I'm certainly not interested in buying anything from Sony at the moment.
1: No, neither am I. It's yeah. You know, um, number five for me was the release of the iPhone 4s. Mm-hmm. I mean, look, the Apple iPhone 4 was the hottest selling product in 2011. Right up until the point where the iPhone 4s came in, and that one took the top spot. Um it it almost seems that apple could do no wrong david even if we, if we were doing this about 2010 we would say antenna was one of the top stories and it yet it doesn't seem to have hurt apple's sales figures at all i mean
2: well i th- i think they i think again they they dealt with that issue fairly well um and uh you know they 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 continue just the opposite to, of sony yeah exactly and they continue to innovate they continue to add Features that people want and then continue to market those features well. and let's face it, the iPhone 4 was already a fantastic phone, so adding things to it the 4s is just uh, is just going to be a bonus and, and you know it continues to be the product that everybody wants.
1: Yep and, and with the iPhone 4s I do put the iPad 2. I just don't think the iPad 2 was necessarily a huge revolutionary step for the iPad. Uh, whether the three is or not, I think it's going to be a a bigger step in that it's going to have a much nicer screen. There are some rumors floating around that Apple's finally going to enter the seven inch tablet market. And after using a a Kindle Fire, I got to say that, you know, if you look at Apple's iOS ecosystem, David, you have the iPod touch iPhone on one end, and then you have the iPad on the other. I do think that there's a sweet spot right between the two. In the Kindle Fire price range that Apple is completely ignoring, and it would totally make sense after I've used a seven-inch for Apple to get in there with an iPad at that size. I mean,
2: yeah, I I I think it needs to be more than that for Apple. I think they, uh, you know, I don't think they're ever bothered about leaving money on the table, um, particularly if it if it means that um, they might. You know, devalue some of their higher higher cost products. So I don't know. I I don't think I don't think Apple will ever sell a seven inch tablet until they're confident that the user experience is everything it can be. Um, and I'm not sure whether they've figured out how to do that yet.
1: I think I think they position a seven inch iPad as the iPod Touch. I think you have yeah, the I, iPhone, I, you have the iPod Touch, and then you have the iPad.
2: That would make sense. That would make sense for a lot of people. So um, we'll see. I mean. We'll not, see. You know, I, without the the problem with un- trying to understand what's going on with Apple is without being able to see the broken down sales numbers, it's hard to know. You know, I mean, I I would imagine if they saw weakening in demand for the um, for the touch, then that would that would be one area they might want to go. But I don't know whether it will be as cheap as the Kindle Fire.
1: Yeah. Uh, number three, and you know. I, I just got this, but I still think it's big, big news for 2011, and that's the Kindle Fire. Yeah. I think that it's potentially going to be the biggest competitor in the tablet market. I mean, 199 price point. That's You know, when Amazon, when Jeff Bezos was on that stage and he was announcing the Kindle Fire, as well as the rest of the Kindle line, I mean, they start at $79 now. Yeah. Um, when he announced the Kindle Fire at 199 I think it blew a lot of people away. I didn't think anybody uh, thought that Amazon was going to be able to sell a 7 inch tablet for 200 US.
2: Uh, well, I mean, the, the original Kindle was, what, $350 when it first came out?
1: Yeah, but that was a number (laughs) of years ago, still. Yeah,
2: but nevertheless, I mean, look at how that line has developed. And there's no doubt that Amazon will continue to do that, which is they will drive the price down, uh, they will improve the user experience, and they will optimize the design. Um, And they're clearly masters at that, and there's no reason for them to not do that with a fire. So uh, the fact that it's it's as good as it is straight out of the gate, um, and it's clearly – whatever they – there's a lot of debate – Bashing around the internet this week about what the actual numbers are and whether the millions of Kindles being sold—you know what percentage of the fire that is—but the the thing is, is clearly selling well for them, um, well enough for them to continue with that line, Uh, and it will only get better, and that that can only be better for consumers because what you don't want is a is a monolithic single, um, really, you know, single single products. Right, Uh, one dominating player and everybody else is... And everybody else is also ran. I mean, that's not healthy for anybody. And so, you know, um, good on them.
1: You know, we uh, predicted on this show, we we were both in agreement way before Amazon made the announcement of the Kindle that we thought that Amazon had everything in place to really be the true competitor to Apple and that they would own the ecosystem. Um, I think a lot of people were surprised that it's based on Android, but I think it totally makes sense because anybody that... Has uh, an app out there for the Android marketplace could make it very, very easily for the Kindle as well. Yeah, and it's but a it, controlled know, environment. There's no, you know, you have to buy your apps through the Amazon store and.
2: I but the thing is, is that what I would say with Amazon is that I don't believe they'll be wedded to the, to Android. I think it's convenient for them for the first product line, but. I would imagine over time they'll pro- they'll probably look at something that works a little bit better because as we said before there clearly are some fundamental problems deep down in the core of Android that make it hard to make a slick tablet. Yeah, uh, and um, I'm quite sure that Amazon. You know, the, the cost of these, of developing these devices doesn't stop when you've got them out the door. You continue to develop them and support them. And I'm quite sure when they look at what they've had to do to improve the user experience for the first early adopters, they will be looking at whether Android is the right
1: ultimate um,
2: platform for them. And let's face it, WebOS is open source now. They could move to that if they wanted to.
1: In the and, run. and there's our number two story, and I'm just going to call it HP. You know,
2: or, or otherwise, or otherwise known as when and reviewed a tablet and destroyed a company,
1: yeah. <laughs> HP, which seems to be uh, an acronym now for hopelessly pitiful. Um, they came out with their WebOS tablet. Every, there was a lot of positive stuff leading up to it. Uh, the reviews were mixed when it came out, including my own. Um but everybody who reviewed it, David, everybody said the potential is definitely there. uh most people liked it better than the amazon offerings uh, i 'm sorry than the uh, Android offerings um, The biggest drawback for the touchpad was the physical device itself. It just really didn 't lend itself well uh as a competitor to the iPad because it looked exactly like an ipad, and you know within weeks, they abandoned the project um it, it, the future of WebOS was up in the air. They also said they're thinking about, and remember, they're the biggest personal computer makers in the world. Yeah. And they started talking about they may be moving out of the personal computer industry. I mean, or at least the consumer side. I mean, HP, it's almost like they took a play a, a playbook away from, <laughs> playbook, get it? Away from yeah. RIM and said, yeah, this is how you really screw up your company. Let's follow this route. Because well, uh, almost yeah. every decision they made in 2011 was just a a piss poor decision that really, to me, went back to the management who's gone now. Yeah, um, they just didn't know what the hell they were doing. I mean, it, it was just terrible what was going well, on that, in HP.
2: As you say, you know, this was another case of uh, you know crazy CEO syndrome, and, and the guy who made those decisions is now gone. Um, but you can't. I, HPC's to be getting a bit of a pass in the press now as a result of the fact that they got rid of Leo Apotheker and replaced him with Meg Whitman. I think that will only last so long because ultimately a lot of the people who hired Leo Apotheca are still there. And um Well Meg Whitman was one of those people on the board.
1: So Exactly. Yeah. So uh, and, and, and other need, than need... other than pulling back on the, the consumer PC statement, I don't see that they've made any good decisions. I, I still don't understand why making this os uh, the web os open source after spending billions for it a year and a half two years ago
2: i think it was a <sighs> way of it was a way of offloading it without having to take financial responsibility for it for the future um, you know the, the the look the thing is, is is that they have an opportunity to uh, business their way out of this but they need to actually do that they need to execute and um, at the moment it's not clear what they're doing so They need to figure that out.
1: I think 2012 is going to be a very telling year for HP. Yeah, definitely. I think HP and RIM are kind of on the cusp of turning it around or falling over the abyss.
2: Yeah, definitely.
1: Number one tech story of the year, David. Go
2: ahead. Uh, I presume it would be Steve Jobs and his uh, unfortunate demise. Yeah,
1: that it would. Um, Yeah. I don't think anybody could ever question the biggest story not just in tech, but one of the biggest stories of the year is definitely the death of Steve Jobs, the guy who um, helped create the consumer PC business, who had the greatest comeback in the history of business, returning to Apple and, and making it the most valuable company in the world. I mean, it's it's simply his accomplishments were and continue to be amazing. And yeah. you're going to see products coming out from Apple over the next couple of years that still have Steve Jobs' fingerprints on.
2: Well, I, th- I think longer than that, He, you know, I, I finished reading his uh, biography, um, and, uh, you know, it's clear that one of the things he did was he he had a long time to prepare for his death. And he clearly did his very best to kind of set Apple up in a way that it would continue – in a, in, a, in a, you know, in a in a tone, in an approach that he would approve of. While it, you know, while he's not going to be there in the future to look over every single decision and, you know, kind of do his famous, yeah, I either love it or it's shit type. Yeah,
1: yeah, <laughs> you know, you're right. thing. He, Absolutely. He's,
2: he's not going to be there to do that anymore. But but nevertheless, he structured the company in an image that he approves of.
1: Um, that and, will uh, survive after his passing.
2: Absolutely. So I think actually his shadow will remain over Apple in terms of how it conducts itself for many, many years beyond just the you know the products that he actually sees. And, and you know uh, it was interesting reading the book, for instance, that Siri was something that he wasn't remotely involved with. Yeah. Um, Siri was something that he was shown right before right before the four S was launched, and it wasn't something that he he was familiar with until he first got to play with it. Um, so, you know, he's not been the you know the guide the specific guiding force behind everything apple's done for some time um and to me that that reassures me in somewhat that that uh, apple will continue um
1: to to do good things i totally agree with you david but and i'm glad that we're on the same page steve jobs untimely passing uh very sad affair is the number one story of 2011 at least here on tech fan and i would imagine most of the people listening to the show would agree yeah, we would love to know what you guys think. Did we miss any big tech stories of 2011? Something that we should have absolutely covered? That you're sitting there thinking, how could they have not talked about this? We yep. would love to hear from you guys. Easiest way to uh, do that: send us a message on Twitter. It's at mymac. And can, it's
2: at yeah at David B Cohn for me.
1: uh We don't push how to contact us enough on the show. Um Obviously, we didn't do a show last week, David. Uh, it just worked out that way. You were sick, and I was actually cre- pretty busy with uh, preparing for Christmas and all that. So we we took a week off, but we'll we'll be here for a while now.
2: Yep. Um. Uh, you okay for next week?
1: I am. Uh, another way to get a hold of us: leave us a voice message. It's one eight zero one nine three eight five 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 nine. Call that number, leave a message. We'll play it right here on the show as long as it's not profanity filled um yeah you know 2011 david uh tech wise i think it was a very good year um i had a good time this year as far as being as a tech follower a tech fan if you will
2: i i think every year you think oh it can't can't get any better than this you know what what could be better than this and then every year normally it certainly does um you know we're we get we get amazing things to play with we get able, we're able to do amazing things with these gadgets and uh and uh, technology that that kind of around is all around us and surrounds us and um you know it's it's uh, if you're if you kind of into this sort of stuff it's a pretty it's a pretty great time
1: i totally agree it's a perfect time to be a tech fan because everything seems to be happening you know from tablets to computers to the the living room is really becoming a, a tech-focused place. I mean, it, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. I, I launched my That's iCal, it. and it looks like it froze on me. And the reason I launched my iCal, because I wanted to see... Oh, geez, now i got to sign in over here. Uh, that. I think I put in the right password. It wasn't hacked by some Nigerian like David's account was. <laughs> uh <laughs> Um, The reason I wanted to bring it up because we've got uh, a pretty big event coming up next month, David, and that's the Macworld Expo. Now, honestly, we've got two, maybe three shows uh, of TechFan left before we've got one on the 6th, the 13th, and then uh, the 20th. So we've got three more shows, David, before the Macworld Expo. Now... We're going to have a show every day during the Macworld Expo. I'm looking forward to doing that. David, you won't be joining us for those shows. No, I won't. Yeah. But uh, if you guys are into the Macworld Expo, I mean, it's iWorld Expo, so a lot of it is going to be iOS-related. I'm going to be there. A lot of the MyMac.com crew is, including Guy Surrow from the MyMac podcast, so you'll hear him on TechFan. Owen Rubin's going to be there. Tom Schmidt is going to be there. There's a lot of people that's going to be at the Macworld Expo. John Nemo. So I'm looking forward to it. We're uh, about a month out at this point. And uh, if there's something that you guys want us to cover at the Macworld Expo, get a hold of us and we'll make sure to swing by that booth and uh, do a show from there. So David, thanks a lot for being here. I appreciate it. And it's uh, the highlight of my week anytime we get to sit down and and chat for a while. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure with me as well. And Once again, we didn't really plan out this episode. We just kind of uh, went, okay, here's the top list. Let's talk about it. You had no preparation. And um, my hat's off to you, my friend, to to be able to offer intelligent and insightful commentary on subjects you didn't even know we were going to talk about. Uh Huh? Huh? Of course, to Uh be fair, everything we talked about, we've talked about on previous shows. So (laughs) it's not like it came completely out of left field. So I'll let you know next week, David, after having a full solid week of playing with the Kindle Fire, whether you need to get a hold of your dad and tell him to pick you up one in the States or not. Okay. Look forward to it. Talk to everyone next week. Hi, I'm Tim Robertson from the Tech Fan Podcast. And I'm David Cohn from the Tech Fan Podcast. David, we've got something brand new. It's called the Stoplight Network, and we're hoping other podcasters will be interested in this. Absolutely. This is a real community of podcasts. It's a way to get
2: together with people who are passionate about podcasting, share tips, understand what it's like to really deliver a show on a regular basis and share your passion with everyone
1: else. And the nice thing about the Stoplight Network, David, is the the podcasters out there will own their own content. You don't have to sign any kind of agreement. If any ads come in, you share a fair percentage of the revenue and you promote the other podcasts in the network, including the fact that they will also promote your show. Absolutely. And topics can be about anything you want. It doesn't
2: have to be about technology. That's what floats our boat. But if you want to talk about crochet knitting in the 13th century, then go for it.
1: The Stoplight Network. We're looking for existing podcasts and you, the person who's never podcasted before, but was just waiting for the chance. Check us out online at www.stoplightnetwork.com.